Thank you for joining us here tonight. I hope you've had a fabulous week so far, and I'm grateful that you've taken time out of your busy week to worship with us here today. Speaking of grateful, I'd like to give a huge shout out to our worship and production team who work tirelessly every single week, especially since March, to give us absolutely fabulous, wonderful, anointed worship each week and put in so many hours. And so we are so grateful for all you do each week. Uh, this past Monday night, we were leaving pretty late after we'd recorded and uh, I was having a conversation with Joy on the way out. And uh, when we were leaving, she shared, I miss hugs. <laughs> and I told her, I miss hugs too. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, my heart sank a little bit uh, when, when we shared that moment together, when we said that. And on the drive home, I was thinking how different life really is right now in this moment, how I miss hugs and I miss gathering together and I miss all the things that we used to do. And then I realized something else. I realized other things that I missed. I miss civility. I miss kindness. I miss empathy and compassion for others. I miss preferring others over ourselves. You know, it's been almost six months since hugs were okay. Uh, but it feels like an eternity since common courtesy was, well, common. Um, it feels like people have abandoned civil conversations in favor of becoming keyboard warriors, boldly posting sweeping statements that unfortunately alienate so many people just to garner the likes from a few. And may I say this, church, I'm not talking just about the world. I'm talking about the church as well. Tonight, we're beginning a series entitled Christians at Our Best. And part of this series will be based on the book by Ed Stetzer entitled Christians in an Age of Outrage. And in this series, we will discuss what it means to represent the love of Jesus Christ in this new polarized age that pushes people to the extremes. I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've heard it. I'm sure you've experienced it. Maybe you've even been caught up entangled in it. All it takes is one post, one exaggerated article, and then full on war erupts. People choose sides and it's game on. Nothing is off limits. Personal attacks even become fine, even with Christians, you know, because, well, they're on the wrong side. They need to hear me. They need to, I need to show them what is right. Now, before I am misunderstood, please, please allow me to share that I absolutely believe that from a biblical perspective, there are many, many issues that are worth fighting for. And that's really what we're going to focus on throughout this series. We will absolutely speak to that as well and speak to how we fight for those issues. But it must always come back to the question here at the foundation. How do we fight? Period. How do we fight? If we think we can fight spiritual battles with insults and slurs, we are sadly mistaken. These spiritual battles 
require spiritual methods. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 tells us, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Some of us don't know this verse to be true because we don't live it out. Because we don't give the power of God room to move. Because we're so busy moving on our own. We're so busy doing it ourselves that we don't step back to let God move. There is a guiding question that I find myself, uh, especially recently, adopting when evaluating my own thought processes. By the way, we should do that often, right? We should think about our thinking often. Um, that makes us purposeful in our lives and that helps us kind of see the direction that our lives are going. And so when I'm thinking about my thinking, there's a question I keep going back to. And that question is, whose kingdom am I defending? Whose kingdom am I fighting for? If someone is sitting next to you right now, look at your neighbor and go ahead and say, ouch. Just go ahead and tell your neighbor, ouch. Here's why. We're going to do some heart work here in the next few minutes together. And we know that heart work is hard work. Can somebody give me an amen? We know that heart work sometimes is very hard to take part in. But tonight we've got to get at the heart of the matter. And we've got to answer the question, whose kingdom am I defending? It was Leo Tolstoy who said, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. And if you frequently find yourself thinking things like, if I can only change this person, or if I can only change this aspect of this person, or if I can only change this situation, my life would be so much better. I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry to tell you, here's where some of the ouch comes in. I'm so sorry to tell you, if that's what's consuming your mind all the time, more than it should, that's consuming your thoughts and, and if that's your exit strategy and that's what you think is the best way you should be using your time is thinking about how to fix other people, <laughs> then you might be working for the wrong kingdom. I'm sorry to tell you, you might be working for the wrong kingdom. What do I mean by that? I mean my kingdom, my kingdom is about my comfort. It's about my status. It's about my rights. It's about the here and the now. But God's kingdom, it's about eternity. It's about the salvation of others. It's about loving people who are unlovable. It is preferring others over myself. You see, my kingdom, it puffs me up. But in his kingdom, it's about me dying daily. And here's what we must understand. If we truly care about God's kingdom. We must renounce our own kingdoms. We must renounce our allegiances to preferences, to traditions, to biases, to culture. Our allegiance must always first and foremost be to the cross. I'm telling you right now, I feel like I need to just rest here a little bit. So take up take up some time here with that statement. Because if you have a hard time receiving that statement, that's a pretty good indicator that you need to check your heart on this. My allegiance must always be first and foremost to Jesus Christ, to the message 
of Calvary, to the gospel, to the death, burial, and resurrection, and to sharing that message with my world. That's my number one allegiance. Number one is to Jesus Christ and to his cross. My allegiance has got to be to the culture of self-denial, to the deliverance of souls, to the eternal kingdom of God. If I'm going to share um, anything with you tonight that, that you, you need to hold on to, it's that. It's that. It's that our focus needs to be on the kingdom. It can't be on my kingdom. It needs to be on his kingdom. And I, to, to help us, to sort of help us um, apply this and live this out every day in our lives, uh, I'd like to share something, uh, maybe like a lens of sorts, um, that through which you can look through your life, you can look through this lens to view every single decision that you make, every action, every thought, hopefully from this point forward, and it can give you some clarity about whose kingdom you're defending. For so many, for so many people that we face in the world, just finding their way to the cross is hard enough. Some of you listening to this message tonight, you know what I mean. You're standing today looking beautiful and radiant and fabulous in the kingdom of God. And so many people don't even know your story. They don't even know what you had to step over to get to this point. And what happens is the longer we stay in the church, the more we think like we're in a museum. Okay? There's nothing wrong with staying in the church. Hello? <laughs> we got to stay in the church. That's the safety. But the, but the longer that we live as saved people, we forget what it's like to not be saved. Am I speaking the truth? The longer we live a delivered life, it's so much easier for us to forget how desperate we were before we found Christ. And there are so many people right now that God has placed in your life who are so ensnared by the cares of this world that just to find their way to Jesus is going to require a whole lot of change on their parts. It's going to require a whole lot of commitment on their parts. Okay? They're going to have to push beyond so many things just to get to Jesus. Just to get to Jesus. So if I'm truly pursuing God's kingdom, I can't allow my actions my attitudes, my words, my posts to become one more struggle for someone to overcome on their way to the cross. I can't be that stumbling block for them. They have so many other stumbling blocks just to get to Jesus, just to receive the gospel message. I can't be one more in their path. I refuse to be one more in their path. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 23 through 25 tell us, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Already, this is establishing, hey, this message is not all, it's, it's already difficult for people to receive. People who are set in their ways or people who have their worldviews already set. It's difficult for them to say, hey, don't go the way of your own thoughts, of your own path. Go the way of Christ. Don't 
Don't lean on your own understanding, but trust him and surrender everything to him. It's already a stumbling block in that regard. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's what we preach. That is what brings deliverance. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Here is the question we must use as a filter in this day and age. Will this, this action, this thought, this decision, this choice, this post, will this make it harder for someone to come to the Lord? Will this make it harder for someone to stay living for the Lord? That, that is the question. That is the filter through which I need to live my life. That is the principle that we see over and over and over in Scripture of preferring our brothers above ourselves, preferring our sisters above ourselves. And that is the lens through which we need to view the world. Lord, are my actions turning someone away from Christ or are they turning someone to Christ? And God, I tell you right now, I don't ever want to be a stumbling block to someone coming to the Lord. I don't want somebody stumbling over my social or my political views on their way to the cross. I refuse for that to happen. You see, their path to get there, it may already be a rocky road. We know that. And I don't want to stand before God one day and try to justify how my Facebook or Instagram posts was more important than someone's soul. I don't want to try to tell God that my tweet just had to be shared because it's true. Only for God to look at me and tell me that my lack of wisdom not only soured that person on me, but it soured that person on the God I serve as well. Hebrews 13, 14 tells us, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking to a home yet to come. You know, a friend um, was reflecting on the current social climate um, in and out of the church and shared the following thoughts that really challenged me. It really gripped my heart. And so this is a paraphrase of those thoughts and I'd just like to read it to you right now. Um, it, it, it begins, have we become more political than Pentecostal? Are we more Republican than repentant? Are we more Democrat than discerning? Are we more American than apostolic? Do we love our country more than we love our Christ? Have we traded in our apostolic authority for a political agenda and power? Have we exchanged soft answers and love towards others for the hot coals of anger and the fiery swords of debate? Are stars and stripes more important to us than crowns and crosses? Are guts and glory more appealing than grace and mercy? Do we claim our rights as citizens of this world above our rights 
of a heavenly kingdom? Are we more concerned with the laws of unsaved men and women than the laws of our Lord? Have political theories taken precedence over Pentecostal theology? Are we more intent on dividing left from right than we are in unifying our brothers and our sisters? Do we contend more for national freedoms than we contend earnestly for our faith? And it ultimately goes back to this question. Have we made this world our home? Have we made this world our home? My brothers and sisters, I wanna tell you right now, that should convict each one of us and bring us to our knees in prayer. Every person I know, I don't know a human being on earth who does not delight in the pleasures of living a comfortable, convenient life that aligns with our preferences, that aligns with our privileges, that aligns with our biases, that aligns with our culture, that's our, that's our nature. That's what we prefer. That's what we prefer. So, so those thoughts, that's extremely convicting to me. And I want to repent of that right now. I want to tell the Lord, you are the king of my heart and my trust is in you. My trust is not in anyone else to save me. My trust is not in anyone else to save this country. My trust is not in anyone else to bring people to heaven. And that's my ultimate goal. You see, we can absolutely love our country. We can be grateful to live here, but we can all do a better job of setting our sights on our heavenly home and doing everything we possibly can to bring more people with us when we get there, amen? That should be the heart's cry of every single believer. I pray for our country. I pray that God can redeem us and use this country for his end time purpose. Because we know, we know the return of the Lord is so soon. We don't know when, but we know we need to be ready. We better be ready. And I know that God wants to use our nation to bring that about. And I pray for that. But here's, here's, here's what we need to know. Here's what we need to hear. I cannot become so distraught by what my temporary home is going through that I forget my job and my calling as a citizen of his kingdom. I can't forget that I am called and I am chosen and I am empowered to spread the good news and to guide others to a greater eternal kingdom. One that will never fail, one that will never cease, one that will never let them down. There's a spirit of repentance right now that is coming into this room right here where I am. And I know that you can feel it right where you are as well. And I wanna share one more thought, one more thought before we go to prayer. You know the story, um, you know when Jesus was betrayed by Judas, one of his closest and abducted in the night. And you remember, how Peter, how Peter uh, <laughs> came up and, and took his sword. He cuts off the ear of the soldier. Remember that part of the story? 
that that's the part of the story that um, all the little boys in Sunday school like to hear about, right? <laughs> the the gory uh, the gory part, and, and Jesus picks that ear back up, puts it back on the soldier, heals him right there, and in that kind and gentle rebuke, he let Peter know that he wasn't pursuing the right things right then. I'm sure, I'm sure Peter possessed righteous indignation and probably very pure motives. I have every idea that was the case, but that does not negate the fact that Peter's action in that moment, he was actually, he was seeking to thwart the prophetic pull of destiny. See, Peter, bless his heart, He's the one who was always very quick to act, maybe not so quick to think before acting. And I'm sure he was sincerely trying to protect his Lord, but he had a gross misunderstanding of what was to come, of what had to come. You see, sometimes we are so busy fighting for this kingdom. Sometimes we are so busy just trying to keep our heads above water that one more thing, one more negative story, one more thing that feels like it's an attack or it's an assault, one more thing that bogs us down. And I don't care where you are. I don't care where you fall on the political spectrum. There are so many things that are disappointing, that are distressing, that are troubling, that should prove to each one of us that we can't find our safety or our security in our government. That doesn't mean we don't work to make it better, but we can't find our security in those places. And we're certainly not going to affect change screaming at people, telling them, <laughs> telling them how wrong they are. I mean, that's, that, that's not how this works. Sometimes we're so busy fighting for this kingdom that we forget this world was never supposed to be our home. We were never supposed to fit in. And ultimately, ultimately, this earthly kingdom, it will come to an end. And our treasures had better be laid up in heaven and not here on earth. I have a very sincere question. It's one that I've asked myself. Since when did our power as the church, since when did my power as a spirit-filled believer baptized in the name of Jesus, when did my power come from the government? When did I get my strength from anything but prayer and consecration and dedication to the Lord and the power of his spirit flowing through me. You see, I, it, it pains me, it pains me to admit that we have squandered the blessings of a free nation founded upon one nation under God. And now, instead of seeking a heavenly kingdom, we are more grieved so many times. The church is more grieved so many times about losing our power with man than where the souls of man will spend eternity. Please don't understand me. I am not saying don't participate in civic engagement or don't vote according to your values. I am asking, begging, 
pleading you to do that, to do what you feel God leading you to do. But I am asking, begging, pleading with you to think before you speak or before you post. Because our words and our actions alienate. They create a chasm, not only with unbelievers, but they create a chasm in the church. They create division. And we know that a house divided against itself can never stand. So I'm asking you, think before that. Better yet, pray. Pray before you speak. Pray before you post. Pray before you act. Pray before you dwell on negative thoughts that are going to work you up and get you more upset. Why don't you pray through that? Give that to the Lord and ask him to renew your mind. If you're struggling with that, go back to last week's message. Go back to last Wednesday night's message that we talked about. Our weapons, our strategy, our playbook. Go back to that. Stay focused. Stay focused on submitting to God, to his word, to godly authority. Stay focused on worshiping him. Stay focused on praise. Stay focused on being connected to the word of God. Establish your roots deep. Stay focused on keeping your mind pure. That's what you do when struggles come. That's how you can live a life of unity and peace and harmony with your brothers and your sisters and the people who are waiting to become your brothers and sisters if we don't alienate them. If we don't put our preferences and our cultures and our kingdom above their spiritual worth and value in God's kingdom. It seems like, especially during quarantine, <laughs> posting is the way that people are speaking because, you know, many of us are cooped up or, um, or certainly our interactions uh, in larger groups um, <laughs> have been greatly reduced. And so... The more we see, the more we read, the more worked up we get. And so, uh, unfortunately, the more bold many of us become, the more careless many of us become. I'll guarantee you this. There are people who are sharing things online that would never say that face-to-face -face with, some, with someone who disagrees with them. So many things. Why? Because the tone of what you're sharing is hurtful. It's not helpful. We know that to be true. For some of us, social media has become such an unhealthy space. It's a place where our deepest fears are confirmed. A place where, where we often, unfortunately, show the very worst parts of ourselves to others. We read, we judge, we post, we share, we tear down, we create disunity, all in the name of whatever banner we are trying to wave and all at the expense of your unchurched friend or coworker who won't listen to anything that you have to say about God because they feel judged or devalued by what you've already shared online. Maybe, maybe your brother and sister in this church. Folks, you know we have a very diverse church, people with so many different views. And if you are touting your views in such a way that alienates your brothers and sisters, that's bringing harm to the body of Christ. That is bringing harm to the body of Christ. Media can be just as addictive, just as destructive as heroin, as meth, 
as gambling, as pornography. If media has become this toxic place for you, whether it's the news you're watching, whether it's social media, whatever it is, I encourage you, turn it off, deactivate your accounts. They are not worth your soul and they aren't worth your witness to other people. When Jesus lived and walked and talked and ministered here on earth, many of the religious folks simply could not accept him because they were looking for a wrong kind of king. They were looking for a different kind of kingdom. They were not interested in what he was selling. We've talked so many times about how they wanted someone to give them greater status here on earth, to make their lives better, to free them from the oppression of Roman rule. The very ones who should have known who he was and what his kingdom was about, they are the ones who crucified him. And I'm so troubled in my spirit to see a similar response in the church today to see believers who think that Jesus came to give them political freedoms, to make them wealthy, to make their lives easier here on earth. And yes, many of us have enjoyed so many of these things. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying that and being grateful for that. But my brothers and my sisters, that is not your purpose. And that is not your calling. That can't be our focus because our citizenship is of heaven. So right now in this moment, the Spirit of God is moving so full and so free. I'm calling us to elevate our gaze to that heavenly home. We need to elevate our conversation in a way that stirs people's hearts toward Him, not that stirs people's hearts towards our culture or our opinions or our views but that causes people to look their eyes towards him, to look beyond the flesh that they see here and to look towards him. That when people see us, they will see the glory of Jesus Christ shining through us so that they will long to make heaven their home, so that they can have a taste of his goodness and it will only come from the goodness, the purity of the Holy Spirit that flows through us. I am committed to live at peace with my brothers and sisters, and I am committed to live in such a way that takes as many people with me to heaven as possible, and I know you are too. I know you want God to use you in that way. So right now, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for God to move in your heart, in my heart, in our lives, and to transform us in this moment. Dear God, Dear God, we have our hands raised toward heaven to you. We humble our hearts. We repent, oh God. We repent of pursuing our kingdoms. We, we repent, God, of pursuing this earthly kingdom. We repent, God, of focusing more on our comforts, of focusing more on our preferences, of focusing more on the things that bring us pleasure than focusing on your kingdom. We repent, Lord, of being unkind, of being harsh, of refusing to see things from someone else's perspective. We repent, God, of being closed-minded, of being narrow-minded, God. We repent of trying to walk according to the arm of the flesh and not letting the power of your spirit move through 
us. We repent, search our hearts, make us clean and pure and holy before you right now, God. We are citizens of your heavenly kingdom. Lord, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And let us never forget that. And let us never forget that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that they are mighty in Christ. And so right now, Lord, I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke the spirit of division, of destroying the unity that that we have as the body of Christ, the unity that is here in this nation. And I speak peace and hope and love in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus binds every spirit of rebellion, every spirit of disunity, every spirit of division. The blood of Jesus looses a spirit of gentleness, of meekness, of love, of kindness, of unity. We receive all that you have for us. We are your humble servants. Forgive us of our selfish pride. We humble ourselves. Now raise us up. Raise this church up, God, to be a mighty lighthouse. A mighty soul-saving station where people can come and find your truth. Find your freedom and find the love of Jesus Christ. And experience it here right here with their brothers and their sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I know our toes are all sore right now, and that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God convicts. It changes. It challenges. It transforms. But now to walk in that transformation, we've got to do the hard work to do that. We have to take our thoughts captive, just like we talked about last week. We have to take every thought captive and surrender it to Jesus Christ. I'm trusting you to do that. We are here for you. We love you so much. I pray that you have a great rest of the week. God bless you.